Welcome to the Mainstream Paranormal Podcast. I am your host, Merle. With me as always, my co-host, Larry. Merle, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing alright. And yourself? Doing quite well, thank you. We're here to discuss all things paranormal. We'll also touch on conspiracies, a little true crime, and just other strange topics. If anyone has a topic they would like us to discuss on the show... Just dig us up on Facebook. Our intro music was brought to you by the Metalheads at Shortcut Productions. This episode gonna be a, a fun one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's the Diatlov Pass incident. Yep. <clears throat> this one has been baffling people for years, like fifty some years. Yeah, they've actually made made at least one movie about it. Mm-hmm. One movie, and that was called what? Um, Devil Devil's Pass. Devil's Pass. Yeah, and it was actually Devil's Pass was a movie where five students go in and try to solve the mystery of what happened. Oh, okay. And they try to make it like a documentary, but it's more like a sci-fi horror film. So it's gonna man it makes you think of that. Uh, was it Chernobyl Diaries or whatever? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Man, making all stuff about these Russian stuff. <laughs> but right. it's gonna it's gonna be a little fun for us today. Um, of course, she, um, we both had to work last night, so we're, we're kind of up early. Very early. <laughs> Not knocking back a little alcohol. Enjoying a, what they call a honey bear <clears throat> by the good people of Bernjager. So, yeah, if um, you got... Anybody from Baron Yeager hears about this, you know, we could always use free alcohol. We do enjoy it. Um, you know, being in a cemetery at night, you know, kind of gets to you after a while. You just need, <laughs> need to relax with some alcohol, you know. Yeah. Good for the old bones. Good for the old bones. Mm. Oh, but yeah, the Yellow Pass incident. It, um. Mm. It was about hmm, the unsolved death, death, <laughs> the alcohol's getting to me already, the unsolved deaths of nine, nine hikers yep. in uh, the northern uh, Ur- Ural Mountains. Um, they were actually trying to go across the Urals um, to get to a mm. um, another mountain. That was um, 6.2 miles. I'm just going to say 6 miles. Yeah. Um, 6 miles. Two, 10 kilometers. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, from where they were actually going to go. Um, it was a place called um, Otterin. Some of these names were good. You're just going to have to bear with this people. Um, I want to say it's um, Atorin mm. Mountain, which, I mean, in their dialect actually um, translates to um, don't go there. Wow, yeah. Let, let's just go to a mountain that tells us right in its name not to go there. Yeah, I mean, hey, I want to go. Yeah. Yeah. And... Um, this actually, you know, happened um, in the early part of February of 1959. So, I mean, let's go, like, let's do this in Russia in February. Like, you know, you're going to have snow and sub-zero temperatures. I mean, because, you know, back in the late 50s, early 60s, their winter weather, winter weather wear, Still wasn't as good, or it's not as good as it is now, like for hikers and stuff, you know. Yeah, but these are, I mean, you know, one of them's an experienced 
you know, a hiker, mountain hiker, so he knew what to have yeah. them all wear. Yeah, um, the group, they're experienced, um, they're from the Ural Polytechnical Institute, which is an interesting name. And the reason it's uh, called the Dyatlov Pass Incident, um, it was in name of, in honor of the group's leader, Igor Dyatlov. Okay. Mm-hmm. But um, according to research, um, during the night, something caused them to like, to actually cut, cut their way out of their tent from the inside, mind you, and flee their campsite. I mean, and apparently, you know, they weren't weren't dressed for the weather. Right. You know, probably in their underwear and, you know, no shoes. So if they're in their underwear in a, in a campsite, I mean, you got, you know, all these guys and, you know, se- several women here, you know. There's probably a little, you know, what going on <laughs> trying to stay warm, you know. Well, you I'm, also got to think about this. What would terrify you enough to cut your way out of your own tent to get out of whatever's terrifying you. Right. I mean, you got to think, you got a zipper. You know, you can just unzip it. Well, or, the tents back then didn't have zippers. They had flaps, right? Yeah, they had tie strings. Okay, so, I mean, why why would you need to cut cut your way out? Exactly. You just untie it and go. Yeah, and it had two open ends, you know, but still, on the why, tent. I mean... So what's you gonna, can bolt either way. Right. What's going to frighten you that much that you're going to run out without your clothes on? Yeah. I mean, there's there's <clears throat> been rumors that there was an avalanche coming. Yeah. But when they but, found the tent, like there was no signs of an avalanche. Right. I mean, it was, there was a little bit of snow up on it, but mm-hmm. not not like an avalanche. And from the way that this group set it up, their tent up, and the location that it set up. Even if there was an avalanche, it would have went around the tent. Yeah, because I actually dug a, I can't remember the name, um, they dug a, uh, a hole down into the snow. So it actually made like um, a snow bank. Mm-hmm. And then they put the tent inside the hole. So whatever came would, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um,. So actually, uh, there was an investigation done by the Soviet Union authorities um, after the the group's bodies were discovered mm-hmm. um, that determined that six of them died from hypothermia, while the other three showed signs of physical trauma. Right. And um, it says uh, one victim had a fractured skull and two others had major chest fractures. Then they also um, say that there is no soft tissue damage. Right. We, so how can a person sustain that kind of damage without any soft tissue damage? So I mean, I mean, no, no human could cause that kind of damage to them without. So it's not like one of them went crazy and you know started wailing and right because you know there'd be bruising and all that, but. None of these people had that going on. <laughs> yeah, and um, didn't one one of them like was missing her tongue? Yeah, and... um, one the one of the girls was actually missing um, her tongue, and um, she actually had um, a fractured skull. Okay, yeah, I got something about uh, missing her tongue and eyes. Wow. So yeah, um, the investigator concluded that an unknown compelling force had caused the deaths. An unknown compelling force. Yeah, but in that, according to the research, that it was in quotes. That's crazy. Unknown compelling force. So, I mean, there's numerous theories, you know, like you said, the avalanche, um, some kind of animal attack. Um... Let's see, in in infrasound induced panic. Yeah, that was one scientist theory, and he was trying to prove that, and it didn't work so well. Um, the military, 
Yeah, a lot of people said it was a military um, experiment that messed up and they got in the middle of it. Yeah, and I remember um, hearing something or reading something about them talking about um, seeing some kind of orange light or something like that in yeah. the sky. So, I mean, this could be, you know, aliens or heck, could be a freaking, you know, what was it, um, a Yeti, you know, <clears throat> something like that, maybe. I mean, I don't know if they got Yetis in Russia or not. They do. <clears throat> they say they do, anyway, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I see something here. It's uh could be a Russian Yeti or a mink. Heck, when I think of mink, you know, I think the little little furry animals that they make the coats and stuff out of. <laughs> now, you mentioned a unknown compelling force. Mm-hmm. Well, I broke out the old trusty uh internet <laughs> and I looked up what could be considered an unknown compelling force and guess what it brought me to this incident yes that is there is no definition of a unknown compelling force but it brings you to the Uplof pass man that screwed up dude <laughs> it's never it had so it hadn't been used for anything else no basically. nothing oh that's good But yeah, yeah um, there there's nothing as far as a definitive definition of it. Mm-hmm. It brings you to our subject. Damn. But uh, all right, um, a little background. Um, group the group was formed. Uh, a group was formed for a skiing expedition across the northern Urals. I don't even know how to pronounce that. Sub- uh, Zverdzosk Oblast Oblast Soviet Union Igor Dyatlov uh, at the time was um, a 23 year old radio engineering student at the Ural Polytechnical Institute he was a leader he assembled a group of nine others for the trip so, uh, the group consisted of eight men and two women. So, getting back to that, uh, naked time, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's kind of, kind of bad, you know. Yeah. Eight men and two women. But, uh, but, um, yeah, they were all, um, experienced grade two hikers with ski tour experience. So, see, they And would to- be receiving a grade three upon... The return of this trip. So they knew how to dress for that weather. Oh yeah, yeah. And grade grade three is the highest certification available in the Soviet Union, which required candidates to traverse three hundred kilometers, or one hundred ninety miles. Huh. Um. And this route that they took in February was estimated as a category three the most difficult wasn't something mentioned about radiation um yeah I think one was talking about um radiation as far as what their injuries radiation uh exposure something like that um so the group the group arrived by train to the a town at the center of this Zverd <coughs> yeah, whatever the Zverdsvodsk Oblast. Um, in the early morning of January twenty fifth, nineteen fifty nine, and they took a train to Virasai. Got anything on that Virasai? Mm-hmm. Uh, a lorry village that is is the last inhabited settlement to the north. Um, and apparently they purchased and ate loaves of bread to keep their energy levels up for the following day. So, I mean, they knew what they were doing. Yeah. You know? 
So they begin on the twenty seventh is when they began their trek toward that. Oh, how do you pronounce that mountain? Oh, 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 Otteron. Otteron. Yeah, that's it. Um, but on uh, January twenty eighth, one of their members, uh, a Yuri Yudin, it uh, who suffered for from several health elements um, including congenital heart defect was forced to turn back because of knee and joint pain so he was the lucky one so yeah he was the lucky one and I think I got something that he actually uh, which saved his butt he uh He actually died in 2013, so he lived to be 75. Wow. So, I mean, most of these got people died in their um, early 20s. You know, had I, one, the oldest one was 38. Jeez. You know, I was still trying to figure out what the uh, unknown compelling force meant. Mm -hmm. Came across this other side, I was going down through it, and said, um, the official statement on what happened was about as vague and as covering as possible, saying it was caused by an unknown compelling force. In layman terms, this means, fuck if we know. <laughs> yeah. It's always nice when your government says that, you know? But, uh, let's see what... Let's keep going on this. Um, so after that guy turned turned back the remaining nine continued um and their diaries and cameras were found at their last campsite so it made it possible to track the group's route up to the day of the incident mm -hmm. and on january 31st the group arrived at the edge of the highland area and began to prepare for climbing hmm. um in a wooded valley they um they put together a surplus food and equipment that they'd used for the trip back. So there again, you know, they know how how to survive. In this right. Area. So on the following day of um, January first, the hikers started to move through the pass. So apparently, they uh, planned to go over the pass and make camp for the next night on the opposite side. But uh, because because of the weather getting worse and snowstorms and vi decreasing visibility, they lost their direction and deviated west up towards the top of Co Colot um, Sayaki Sayako. Um, when they re realized their mistake, the group decided to stop and set up camp on the edge. Uh, set up their camp on the slope of the mountain rather than moving another um, kilometer and a half downhill to the forested area, which would have offered them some shelter from the elements. Yatlov mm -hmm. um, probably didn't want to lose their altitude they had gained. Or he decided decided to practice camping on the mountain slope. Um, but before leaving, apparently, that Dyatlov, Igor Dyatlov, had agreed he would send a telegram to the sports club as soon as the group returned to um, Viz... Uh, how do you pronounce that word? Viz... Vizhai? It was expected that um, this would happen no later than somewhere around January the or February the twelfth. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I mean, um, when the twelfth passed and no messages had been received, there wasn't any immediate reaction, and there were several delay uh, days of delay were common, you know, with these kind of expeditions right 
Um, so it was 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 not until the relatives of the travelers demanded a rescue operation on the twentieth of February that the head of the institute sent the first rescue groups, which mostly consisted of volunteers, students, and teachers. But then later, apparently, the army and militia forces got involved with planes and helicopters. All right, why would the military get involved for nine hikers in the middle of uh, middle of nowhere? Right. So that kind of makes you wonder if it was yeah, because I mean they found radiation on the right. bodies. So why all of a sudden the military is like, <clears throat> all right, we'll help you look for these people. Mm-hmm. I mean, back in those days, from from what we have been told, because we don't know for real, is the Russian military wasn't the easiest thing to get along with. No, no. So why all of a sudden they're like, okay, we'll help you look for these hikers. Yeah. So... I mean, apparently they had all kinds of crazy stuff going on because, I mean, you know, there was always that, um, what was the, because this would have been about the same time as that, uh, what was it, um, the, the Russian sleep experiment things, you know. It's funny you said that and all of a sudden your phone goes off. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, I can find out for you. Um, I mean, because this, this was like late 50s, so this was like Cold yeah. War type, wasn't it? It was close, yeah. Uh, let's do 15s. Hmm. <clears throat> Um, let's see here. The I Cold mean, War was from 1947 to 1991. So, hell, that was a long time. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that long. And, um, huh. but apparently the military had involvement in all kinds of stuff back then. And probably still do today, you know. Yeah, we just don't know about it anymore. Yeah. But, uh, let's see. Apparently on February 26th, searchers found the group's abandoned and badly damaged tent. Um, the Russian sleep experiment, late 1940s. Okay, so this was, <laughs> this was after... Mm. <laughs> uh, excuse me. But apparently, when they found found this tent, they said the tent was half torn down and covered with snow. It was empty, and all the group's belongings and shoes, which is important, shoes, had been left behind. <clears throat> they said the tent had been cut open from the inside, and there are eight or nine sets of footprints left by people who were wearing only socks. A single shoe or even barefoot. Leading down towards the edge of the woods. That's crazy. Alright, let's see. Um, so you see, it was, yeah, barefooted, it was running... They're leading towards the edge of the nearby woods. <clears throat> um, but after about 1,500 feet or so, the tracks were covered with snow. Mm-hmm. Um, but under, at the edge of the forest, uh, under a large pine tree there, they found the visible remains of a small fire. That's where they found the first two bodies. Of Krivan 
Kremchensko and Doroshensko. Doroshensko, maybe? All right. Uh, they were shoeless and dressed only in their underwear. Uh, the branches on the tree were broken up to five meters high. Let's see here. So that's what, close to 15 feet? Yeah. Um, suggesting that one of the skiers had climbed up to look for something. Maybe the camp or other people. Uh, and between the pine and the camp, the searchers found three more bodies. Um, Igor Dyatlov. Clo Kolmogorva and Slobodin Slobodin who seemed to have died and poses suggesting they were attempting to return to the tent. They were found um, distances 300, 400, 600 meters. Everything's in meters I guess because it's Russian. Yeah. From the, the tree. Yeah, five meters is like 16 feet. Yeah. Um, searching uh, for the remaining four travelers took more than two months. So I guess they had to wait for some of the snow to melt. They did. So they were finally found uh, May 4th under four meters of snow in a ravine. That were that was uh, it was farther into the woods, right from that pine tree where they found the first two, and they were better dressed than the others. But didn't they have the most damage? Um, yeah, I think so. I think they had more like um, like bone issues, didn't they? Yeah. So, a medical examination found no injuries which might have led to their deaths. It is eventually concluded that they all died from hypothermia. Slobodin had a small crack in his skull, but they said it was not thought to be a fatal wound. Hmm. Uh, The examination of the four bodies that were found in May... um, Three of the ski hikers had fatal injuries, and that Debenina, yeah, uh, they had major chest fractures. Yeah, she was also the one that um, had the. Uh, that was the one that was missing the tongue, wasn't it? Right, she was missing her tongue, her eyes, part of her lips. Um, she had facial tissue, and. Um, Damage, and also a fragment. Now I don't understand this. A fragment of her skull bone was missing. So I mean, yeah, that's. So I mean, usually, like if you hit your head or something like that, it's gonna crush in. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not gonna. You're not gonna break, lose break it. it off. And, right, and that you know the um, the investigator said that she was found. Um, laying face down in a small stream that ran under the snow. So, you know, that caused uh, putrefaction due to the wet environment and all that. Mm-hmm. And um, she also had some external energy, in, uh, injuries due to like the weight of the snow and stuff like that that was on her um she had uh macerations on the palm of her hands too mm. yeah so you know that's more defensive wounds there right so i, I guess this is where they uh the initial speculation that uh indigenous man um manzi man yeah manzi mm-hmm. people uh, may have attacked and murdered the group because they were encroaching on their lands. Right. Uh, but the investigation indicated that the nature of their deaths did not support the hypothesis. The, high, the hikers' footprints alone were visible and they showed no sign of hand-to-hand struggle. Hmm. So this is where it's 
the temperature was around 13 to negative 13 negative 22 degrees fahrenheit that's cold yeah that's my balls have went back up into my body (laughs) (laughs) um that that's where the you know it was weird that they were only partially dressed They also say that some of them had only one shoe, while the others had no shoes and wore only socks. Uh, some found were found wrapped in snips of ripped clothing that had been seen to be cut from those who were already dead. So, it kind of reminds you that what was that movie Alive? With yeah, the, the plane crash, yeah. people eating each other and stuff. But so they were pretty much taking clothing off the their dead comrades mm-hmm. so they could stay warm but only they, they weren't taking all of it they were just taking little bits and pieces yeah so why not you know, I mean me personally I would be like grabbing an extra pair of socks been layering up instead of being like well I'll just take a little bit yeah um, they say that six of them died of hypothermia and three of fatal injuries. Um, um, yeah, um, something about they died six or eight hours after their last meal. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. Um, let's see here. Some release documents. Um. Uh, contain no information about the condition of the uh, skiers and internal organs and it says there were no survivors of the incident so I mean of course I guess they're not including the the guy Yuri who left the group yeah if he left early yeah yeah, so so I mean there there were you know um, let's see there um Apparently, um, the region was closed to expedition and hikers for three years after this incident. Now, this is what's weird. This is crazy. Um, it said that uh, uh, the inquest, the inquest, officially ceased on May 1959 as a result, as the absence of a guilty party. The files were sent to a secret archive. On 12 April 2018, which was uh, this year, the remains of Simone Zalatriff was um, exhumed upon the initial initiative, initiative yeah. of journalists of the Russian tabloid Pravada. Kondrak, uh, I can't even pronounce that word now. Um... The results were obtained. One of the experts stated that the character of the injuries resembled a person getting hit by a car. Damn. And the DNA analysis did not reveal any similarity to the DNA of the living relatives. So somehow this person's DNA got totally jacked up. In addition, it turned out that the name of um, Simone Zalatrev is not on the list of buried at the cemetery. Their list, the reconstruction of the face alone, the um, skull coincides with the post-war photographs of um, the guy. Although journalists expressed suspicions that another person was hiding under the name after the war. Hmm. So bad. I mean, so they're trying to say another guy took this guy's place, but paid the paid the price for it eventually. Yeah. Man, them injuries though. So if that's the case, yeah, okay. If another person took another person's identity, of course his DNA is not going to match up. Right. So okay, I can understand that, but if the reconstruction 
uh, procedure shows that this person is this person, then there's something there. That's so you think maybe the DNA was screwed up by the radiation? That's a possibility. But it would have to take a hell of a lot of radiation. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of radiation to screw up somebody's DNA. Yeah. Because that's pretty much like erasing it. That's pretty good yeah. when you get down to the last bit of it. <laughs> yeah, I think that. Um, I think I think it was you know the military you know they were uh, they were in cahoots with the Yeti you know <laughs> sent the Yeti in to fuck them up and then oh then they covered it up. Yeah, of course you know me. <laughs> uh, my theory is just military alone. Yeah, I think you know the military was doing experiments mm. you know that region is isolated is remote you can do anything you want to out there nobody's going to say or do anything and then here comes these hikers that stumble across what you're doing right and the military jumps on it because i mean it makes no sense all of a sudden you know nine hikers come up missing and then the military's like hey we'll help you yeah, that's a little fishy. But yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of theories as far as what happened, you know. You got, of course, the avalanche, but like we said before, the way, you know, their tent and stuff was mm-hmm. set up, that there was no way for that to happen. You got the, the infrasound uh, experiment, which um, could produce uh, or induce panic attacks. Which I guess could cause them to tear open their tent and take off running. But still, infrasound, that would still have to be the military, you know? Yep. Mm, You got, uh, of course, you got military tests. There are speculations that the campsite fell within um, the Soviet Union's uh, parachute mine. during one of their exercises. Yeah. And that's where the, the orange glows were coming from that they were talking about. A flare? Well, it'd been the, the parachute mine coming down. The parachute mine shouldn't have any lights on it. Well, they just said it was an orange glow. They didn't say it was a light. Um, and the, the theory was they were woken by the loud explosions. Hmm. That's why they fled the tent. Let's see, um, Soviet, um, there are indeed records of parachute mines being tested in the area around the time the hikers were there, and um, just a fact that parachute mines detonate while they're still in the air, rather than upon striking the earth, um, which could cause heavy internal damage with comparable less external trauma. So, you know, um, that's where you can get all that damage without all the soft tissue. And then uh, there's uh, something about paradoxical undressing. Paradoxical. Mm-hmm. Um is with uh means um hi, um hypothermic subjects remove their clothes in response to a perceived perceived feeling of burning warmth. It means they thought they were burning up so they ripped off all their right. clothes. And then you got pseudo scientific theories, of course which kind of is in our field, you know. You got the the mink or uh, the Russian yeti. 
But, um... <clears throat> oh, dang. I'm kind of looking at a picture here of... Is that... Yeah, it's one of them. Yeah. Wow. Looks like it's just like frozen in fear or something, you know? It actually showed a female in one of the photos. Is that the one that's missing? I don't know. Body's too bad. Yeah. Can't tell. Yeah, um, getting back the um, about the the man the Mansis, uh, Mansi Mansi tribe. Apparently, the the local tribesmen were known to be a uh, peace to be peaceful. So I mean, that kind of rules that out, right? And you know how um, one of the theories was uh, animal attack. Right. There are no animal tracks in the area. I'm trying to find the name of the people again. Trying to find the people, uh, the names of the people? Yeah. Um, I got them here for you. Let's see. You got... And I just lost it. Did mm. you have a lead melee? Mm. Oh, let's see. Yeah. That That's that uh, Dubonina. L-L-Y-U-D... M-I-L-A. That's her. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's that one that lost her yeah. tongue and was missing her tongue and eyes. So, I mean, that, it's pretty messed up. But, I mean, you know, like you said, it, to us, it really seems like it's a bit, you know, it had to be military. Because, I mean, you got known uh, military exercise going on in the area. Military, you know, decides, hey, you know, got these nine hikers. But, hey, let's, uh, we're going to go ahead and help. And it's interesting that as soon as the military starts helping, they find them. Right. I mean, that was a little too I quick. Mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're using helicopters and stuff, too, but. Yeah, but these people are under 14 meters of snow. Four meters of four snow. Four meters, yeah. So, a helicopter's not going to find them in four meters of snow. No. I mean, that, yeah. Here's another photo. And it literally looks like this person is trying to climb up a side of a mountain to get away from from something. Yeah, it definitely does. Hmm. I mean, it looks like, you know, they got cornered. And they turned to climb out of wherever they are. Yeah. Like I, like I said, it was a damn Yeti. <laughs> damn them Yetis. <sighs> They're afraid he's going to tear him a new asshole. <laughs> Tore him something. Hmm. I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there about this. So, I mean, if you're kind of, get kind of interested in it, you know, you can look, look look more into it um 
course, you can watch the watch the movie um, Devil's Pass. Didn't you have something about something about the mount, another mountain or something? Yeah, there was a another mountain, uh, Mount Colat, um, Sakal, mm-hmm. which in their dialect actually translates to Mountain of Death. Yeah. Man, these people are going in the wrong direction. I mean, first of all, I go anywhere and they go, Hey, you going to uh, the Mountain of Death? I'm going to be like, "Uh, No, thank you. I'm going to go home. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that uh, mountain. um, Don't go there. Yeah. Yeah, I think I won't. (laughs) Think I'll stay away. Thank you. I don't care how how good of a micro I am, you know. I, I ain't doing it. Nope. Love me. Mm. Ugh, sorry. <clears throat> but um, you got any more information over there? Mm-mm. Well, if we can, we'll post some of these pictures on uh, our Facebook page. It's I wonder if that'll Facebook will take it down. I don't know. I'll say you do it and say. Yeah, I'll try. I'll try to get that those pictures posted. Um. Of the. The bodies. So yeah, you can check us out, of course, on um, Facebook, which is going to be uh, the Mainstream Paranormal Podcast. Check out our other Facebook page, uh, Mainstream Paranormal Investigators. We love, of course, we'd like to hear from you. Um, always, definitely, always. So, I mean, that that really is um, all I got on Diatlov Pass. Now, there's not a lot about it. It's a lot of speculation. That's what it's just one of those, you know, everybody's got the same information. Mm-hmm. You just gotta draw your own conclusion to it. Like we drew ours. Getting a little sleepy. Yeah, actually. So what what happens when we work 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 nights and we're up twenty four hours? Yeah. Yeah. That happens. Well, hopefully, uh, our grave digger over here gets him some sleep before he goes back to the back to the grind. <laughs> yeah, can't sleep no dirt. Dirt don't hurt, um, especially when you're already dead. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Oh, so. But I think we're we're gonna go ahead and wrap up this podcast. Um, if you liked it, um, give us a review. Um, whatever your favorite, um, whatever you use to listen to this podcast, um, Apple Podcast or uh, Stitcher, Google Play. Um, or right, right there on our uh, our Facebook page. We would love to hear from everybody out there. Let us know what you think. Tell us your comments. Um, give us suggestions. Yeah, I mean, tell tell us what you, like you want our another, next podcast to be. Um, of course, we're always taking requests. Um, if you have have something you need a. Uh, investigated you know uh that's our our main thing is paranormal investigations yep so we'd be happy to help happy to help you any way we can but uh this podcast is gonna be a little bit shorter than most but like we said it's just uh you know Mm -hmm. research you can come up with is all the same yeah But, um, yeah. I looked at 
several different sites, and they all had pretty much the same, same information. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can get several pages of stuff, but it's all going to say the same thing. I mean, it was, it was a, it was a neat thing to look into. I mean, it's a sad thing that nine people lost their life. Yeah. You know the way they did, and at the same time, one of these days this mystery's going to be solved. Um, somebody's going to figure out exactly what happened, and. The whole world will be like ready to hear it. So, hmm. I think the Crypt Keeper's tired too, Mike. Yeah. Yep, I think it's uh, time I crawl, uh, crawl back in the old crypt and get some shut eye. So, like I said, just. Dig us up on Facebook and tell us what you think. And if you got any uh, any suggestions on how to make our podcast better, we'll be glad to hear it. And take your uh, criticisms along with you know your likes and go from there. I mean, if you'd like to come on the show, um, let us know. We can try to set something up especially if you have a good story or something like that yeah we definitely we want to hear from everybody um like i said earlier so and as merle said <coughs> you know tell us your likes and uh criticisms and everything and we'll just take it and we'll throw it all in a hat and we'll uh, use every little bit we can to make our uh, podcast better um like you said, this is we're uh, trying to take off running. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm not exactly sure what our next podcast will be on. All right, um, I'm Merle. I'm Larry. What is it? Thanks everybody for listening. That's about it, guys. Be good. Stay real, and uh, hope to hear from you.